0: CHAPTER TWENTY OF JUGGERNAUT, A VEILED RECORD This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. JUGGERNAUT, A VEILED RECORD By George Carey Eggleston and Dolores Marborg CHAPTER TWENTY COME IN! Helen turns and faces her dressing-room door as Brain enters. NOT A BED YET? he says with a smile, taking her face between his hands with the old familiar action. She puts her hands on his shoulders and looks intently into his eyes as he drops on his knees by the side of her chair. Longing, worship, anxiety, hesitancy are in her face. Brain smiles at her and says, in interrogation of her steady scrutiny, Yes, what is it? her hands slip from his shoulders to her lap where he clasps his own gently over them she smiles at him a little wistfully and says nothing brain is the lover in every glance every gesture and attitude at these moments when they two are alone indeed his love for her seems to have gained in intensity they have been in the washington house for many weeks brain has been absorbingly occupied with schemes of business and politics every moment save one like this snatched now and then when he seems to forget the whole universe in remembering this beautiful woman his love finds small expression in words but much in a caress a radiant joy of countenance instead after a long study of the face of the woman gazing so steadily at the fire in front of her he says anxiously with a caress of voice and hand you are not well dearest you look a little worn to-night she slowly withdraws her gaze from the coals and turns her face towards him there is an abstraction in the action she says in a tone that indicates that her thoughts are on something else not well oh yes yes looking back at the fire after a while he says still watching her face you are the most beautiful woman i have ever seen it is not in the regularity of your features but in the soul that radiates from even the tips of your fingers touching the white passive hands reverently what woman so made for honor and glory in a little year or two he pauses then continues in a low passionate tone In a little year or two you shall have all in your hands. Women shall envy you and men shall reverence you. This first season shall make the road to success clear and direct. This winter will decide all. If it were not for you I should be helpless, powerless, absolutely without belief in myself or the future. My ventures so far have been gigantic. I do not know that I could have taken one step without your presence, and the thought of you to stimulate me and banish all fear of failure. My schemes for the future are desperate, and I shall win." He is quivering in every limb. There is a fierce energy in his low tones. The nervous fire of this man's nature seldom flames save in these moments with this woman He has spoken the last words, looking confidently in her face. She listens without making any sign. Her lips are pressed tightly together. Brain goes on in his monologue, his words spoken with a clearness of utterance which has made him remarkable in public speech and has an awesome impressiveness about it. "'It will be you who will have done it all.' i shall look at you commanding the homage of these people and think great thoughts i shall look at you and be able to speak them you will be ever at my side thinking with me both working for a common end this social and political debut means all it is by our mutual desires the sympathy of each and every thought of the other our cooperation that we shall win the fight I thought I loved you years ago, that you were necessary to me. It was true, but I worship you now, and without you all would be over. I am appalled when I think of what this year holds for me to accomplish. It is only the knowledge that you are by me that makes it possible. I have never needed you, never can need you, as I do now, as I shall in those immediate months to come. I... Helen turns her face towards him. She checks him with a sudden imperative gesture. Her face is as white as death. For a moment, she does not speak. Brain grows white, too, at the expression he sees. He dares not break the silence, but waits for her to do it. Presently, she says in a low voice with apparent effort, "'I—I have something to tell you.' She stops abruptly for a moment, then begins again, looking steadily in his face. "'I have something to tell you. I—I fear it will make a difference, that it will cause you regret, and perhaps—if you meant what you have just said—failure. I—' She stops, as though unable to continue. Brain looks at her in amazement. He sees her suffering and involuntarily lays his hand, with a sudden assuring movement, over hers. It seems to arouse her and she clasps her fingers around his with a despairing little action, half imploringly. She goes on in a hurried voice, tremulous and choked now and then. I have tried to tell you for a long time, a week. I... I... When I remembered and thought of all that it would mean to you, of the disappointment just now, I could not speak, but, but, but... She stammers with emotion and excitement, and pauses to recover herself an instant. She does not take her eyes from his face. It can have no expression that she does not see. She says convulsively, with a pitiful effort at calm and control, "'I beg of you not to let this misfortune at this time kill your love for me. "'Oh, I have never wanted your love as I do now. "'I, too, have never known the necessity for you and your help as I do now. "'I—' Brain is staring at her. She has spoken so rapidly that he could not interrupt her. He does not know what to expect. He tries to calm her panic by caresses he says, "'Helen! Helen!' She motions him to be quiet. "'If you reproach me, it will drive me mad. I am not to blame. Oh, I beg of you not to remember the desire I expressed long ago, and think that I have, have sacrificed your wishes, your commands, to satisfy myself. I am not to blame.' brain takes her hands firmly between his own she is beyond self-control and is sobbing hysterically but never looks away from his face he says almost sternly be quiet helen there is nothing on god's earth that you could be guilty of that i could reproach you for now be perfectly calm and tell me about it and remember that i love you HE SAYS IT ALL IN A VERY MATTER-OF-FACT TONE, AND IT HAS AN IMMEDIATE EFFECT ON HER. SHE CEASES SOBBING. AFTER A MOMENT, SHE SAYS, YOU REMEMBER A CONVERSATION WE HAD YEARS AGO AT THE COTTAGE IN Thebes. YOU TOLD ME OF THE DEAREST WISH OF YOUR HEART, AND SAID IT MUST NOT BE FULFILLED THEN. SHE STOPS SPEAKING. SHE LOSES NO EXPRESSION OF HIS FACE. He says quietly, Yes, well? His voice tells nothing, but her hands are in his, and he forgets it and suddenly tightens his fingers. She says slowly in a mechanical way, Yes. She knows that he has understood. He knows by her reply that she knows it. He puts his arms about her and draws her gently to him, but she has seen an expression in his face that she never forgets end of chapter 20 recording by roger maline